everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. I'm going to pause right now for an awkward silence, just to see if Jason has anything to talk about at the top of the podcast. <laughs> I never do. You know that it's not me. If it was if it was up to me, this podcast would be like, uh, probably, f- well, I did an episode about myself, 20 minutes long. <laughs> Not a lot for me to say here. So I provide like 40 minutes of content every week. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I am saying that actually. Oh, well then I think I need to get a raise. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Huh? <laughs> I'd say that I want like more orange slices, but we don't have any anymore. It's because we got a 7-Eleven. That's why. 7-Eleven bought our like local locations. I don't know how many, but... They buy all Speedways? All that matters is the one in our town is now a 7-Eleven. I don't care about the other ones. They're not my Speedway. Right. But I haven't seen them carry orange slices. Like, I'd even try out the 7-Eleven orange slices, but I haven't seen any. There are other Speedways. The ones in, uh, like, Springfield, because I go there after concerts, they have orange slices. The one in Park Lane, I believe, has orange slices. Ours? No orange slices. Ours hasn't had orange slices for a long time, though, so I don't, I don't know that that's 7-Eleven's fault. No, it's it's a Speedway thing, I think. But we'll blame 7-Eleven because it makes you feel it's good. It's Jed's fault. I bet that's who it is. No, it's not Jed's fault. <laughs> There's this one guy, he ne- will never listen to our podcast, um, who works at the <laughs> Speedway in our town. And he's worked there since he and I were in high school together. I don't know if we graduated the same year or not. Maybe. Um, and I think he's a manager there. I hope so. Now. He should be. <laughs> And he's like Jason's favorite person on the planet. You know how when you go to a restaurant and you see that one person there and you know that you're going to have good service and you're going to be taken care of. That's how I feel about when I go to the Speedway and I see Jed. I know when I go in there and Jed's in there, it's going to be a good day. There's no B team. There's no C team. There's no D team. They have the A team. And that A team is Jed. Jed, who doesn't know that Jason's alive or have any idea that all of our Speedway experiences rely on him. I don't want to date the guy. I just am happy he's working in there. I don't know. Your appreciation for Jed is borderline <laughs> disturbing. He's going to get a restraining order against you. Yeah, he can. Uh, him and Stefan Feld can renew their <laughs> restraining orders. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's enough of Jason's non-banter at the beginning. <laughs> Guess I'll have to take over. <laughs> and let's talk about some news and crowdfunding. Um, so actually, on news and crowdfunding, we're, we've mentioned before, uh, but we're going to be vacation next week at church camp, so there will not be an episode, um, which made me kind of look at crowdfunding a little bit differently. Like, there was longer to look at, and the more I looked at stuff, the more, like, crazy it seemed. And my correspondent in the field, Mike, Mike um, sent me some stuff, and I looked at it, and I was going to talk about it, and then I forgot some, and so now we are with what we are. Um, so sorry, Mike. <laughs> I sort of tried to use it, but... Jason actually wants to talk about the first item on crowdfunding, which actually should be the last item because I like to organize them by how long we have left in the campaign, but whatever. Well, I didn't get that memo, so we're going to go this way. And this is for you, Mike, because you said I had to look this up on my own. So boom, I did it. Boom, in your face. And this let's, first Let's game not get is... salty. We need Mike. Okay. <laughs> the first game is actually, it's a reprint or a second edition deluxe edition of a game that we have we covered we like quite a bit and it's called the axe deluxe edition now basically this is the same version as what we have but everything is bigger um in our version everything's super small the board is small the discs are small the little workers are really tiny so they're just making it like a more normal size game with actual discs that you can stack and then won't fall over because you know they're big bigger workers, nicer cards, all that kind of thing. But same gameplay. I don't believe there's anything, any new expansions or anything, maybe some new like event cards or whatever, but mostly a straight reprint, bigger board. And if you're into that, you can, or if you want to see what it is, we have a video. And if you have the game already and you wanted a bigger board, now's your chance. So this is $36 for the basic deluxe pledge. 
I don't know if that's a thing, but the the cheapest pledge is $36, and there's 18 days left if you want to show this some support. It is funded, so if you back it, you will be getting this game, which is cool. So that's the Axe Deluxe Edition. Um, I'm sure I like this game, and you talk about the components being bigger. I don't remember the components. I don't remember the game. I do know I've played it. I get this confused with like a bunch of other ones. Um, and even if you tell me what it's about, I still don't remember any of the actual components. So um, the deluxe edition is like a whole new edition, a whole new game to me. I don't know why I can't remember yeah. stuff like that. The the board should be the size of like a regular board, you know, like was a water deep or something, mm-hmm. but it's like half of that size. And you're, you have like 30 workers that you're moving around on the board. So when you have all these workers out there, the board gets super crowded. The spaces get crowded. You can't see it. It's just, it needed to be bigger. So I think they're, hmm. they're, they took that advice and are making it bigger. So now the game that I thought it was definitely doesn't align with what you're telling me. So we obviously need to play this again. This is why we're doing that shelf thing. Cause I'm like, Oh, we have that game. What's that game about again? Probably should play it. This game's about Jesus. I I know that. Like I know I know, <laughs> kind of the general idea, but I can't picture it in my head. Like I just, I don't know. Yeah, we we only played it that one time when we first got it uh, with the prototype, and then it's been, I played it once again by myself. But yeah, we haven't really played it that much. Okay, apparently we should. Maybe we'll take that with us next week. The next one I want to talk about is not at all about Jesus and is actually about um, committing crimes. <laughs> and this game is called Planting Evidence. Um, this is by Tin Robot Games. For some reason, all of my, um, when I looked up all these games on Kickstarter, on my computer, not on my phone, um, everything is in Spanish. I don't know why Kickstarter thinks that my language is Spanish. Um, but I wonder if you clicked a button. I don't know. That's weird. I'm going to look at it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. Um, yeah, it's weird. Anyway. So, uh, planting evidence is a game about planting evidence, like literally trying to get other players, um, like evidence against them. So that you're framing them for murder. Which is really interesting. So you're, it's like a set collection kind of game, basically. And you can either collect evidence and keep it with you. And so it's kind of set up like um, like your alibi. If you have this evidence, it can. So it's it's uh, they count as negative points. And then um, or you can collect groups of evidence and give them to other players. And that's you kind of framing them and putting evidence um to point towards them and those are positive points and so you're really trying to like and each of those give so the points is, are really key because you're trying to actually push them to a certain score because the end of the game is triggered when someone goes past 300 points um, and then whoever has the highest score is framed for murder and the person with the lowest score is the forensic expert so it's like balancing the attacks of other people um, with like defending yourself with your own alibi, like that kind of interesting little like back and forth and a really like hilarious theme. So there's like DNA segments and fingerprints and weapons, license plate partials and some wild cards that you're using either as alibis for yourself or evidence against someone else. I think it's a really funny, silly theme, interesting. Um, if you like that kind of thing, it doesn't look um, very difficult, but it looks like it'd be a good time. Uh, there's 11 days left on the Kickstarter, and the basic pledge is $32. Doesn't seem like something I would like, but it sounds cool. Yeah, did you, is your Kickstarter in Spanish? No, it is not in Spanish, and I don't know how, to, how you got yours. In I don't either. I'm I'm actually I actually just messed with like the um, I changed it. I don't know how to change it on the site, but I actually went into the um, like URL and changed mm-hmm. where it says what the language equals, and I fixed it. Yeah, I don't know. So 
This planting evidence game mm-hmm. is the same company that did, um, what is it? I think it's that hideous abomination game, maybe? Tanks, but no tanks. Oh, yeah. Tanks, but no tanks. Yes. I was like, we covered another channel. Another Hamster game versus hippos. Yeah, I did. I covered both of those. Queen of yeah. Scots, the card game. I've never heard of any of those. I've heard of Tanks with No Case. I thought it was so stupidly named. This You played that with me, that one you did. Uh, it obviously left an impression. <laughs> but yeah, this one sounds better than both of those. The Hamsters versus Hippos was cute, cute, but this one actually sounds like it's pretty decent. Yeah, I just think it's... It's like an interesting little game with a really hilarious theme. The last one I want to talk about today is a game that, oh, it's like it was made almost perfectly for me. The only thing that's missing is Asian theme. Um, This game, oh, I really want it so bad. Let me change the language. How do I change the language? I'm trying to figure out how to change language to English. (laughs) understand what's going on it's so i don't know you probably just need to do a restart i think later no i don't understand why it would do that i even went like i googled it and like tried to pick it and it didn't say anything about being in spanish and it is it's it's bizarre anyway so the game i want to talk about is league of the lexicon and this is by joshua blackburn um i mean he's created but it's from two brothers games throughout the uk um League of the Lexicon is a game for people that like words. And that is me. And people like quiz games. And that is also me. Um, oh my gosh. It and I feel like there's so much you can learn in this. And of course that's why I like it. And not only that, but it's a really, really pretty box. The artwork is really cool. It's got like these funny like jokes. Oh my gosh. It looks amazing. So what you're doing, I Jason's going to like totally like rant about this at the end, but I don't care. There are questions. There's 2000 multiple choice questions from five categories. So you've got like a category that talks about like synonyms, antonyms, those kind of things, a category about definitions, um, maybe some archaic words. Um, There's one about like common mistakes or grammar or spelling. There's one about the origin of words and phrases. And then there's one kind of like linguistic trivia. All things that sound amazing, right? The interesting thing about this is maybe I could get somebody to play it with me because there are a hundred questions that are less challenging so you could play it with kids or people that are apparently not maybe less confident about their linguistic knowledge and then there's like 300 of like the really tricky questions and they have like a whole listing of people that they use to form questions um, and they all are you know work they're linguists um, that work with different kinds of dictionaries uh, just really interesting people, right? <laughs> Someone works for the OED. Oh, I love the OED. So in this game, um, and like some of them are just really interesting words. Like what two words combine to make electrocute? Ah, I love it. So, but it, it actually is not simply just trivia. You're kind of, um, you're trying to capture artifacts, and the artifacts, I think, are really funny, like Dante's quill, Baudelaire's bedpan, Bronte's stuffed dodo, which I think are really funny. So you're like an outcast lexico- lex- lexog- lexicographer. Yeah. Easy for you to say. Boom. Huh. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> that's trying to get these artifacts. So like you answer questions. You have a character card. And they're all like really interesting looking characters. There's this one who's his name's Doc Johnson. He's got a top hat and a monocle and a, a big beard and mustache. And on his shoulder is a monkey also wearing a top hat and monocle. Interesting. So there's symbols at the bottom of car, the card. You're going to roll a die to see um, which category, you know, the question you're going to get. If you get a correct answer, you're an artifacts. And there are symbols on the bottom of your artifact card. So you're trying to match them to your character card. And if you match, collect five match artifacts, you unlock the decider question, which is actually chosen um, by the other players. And if you answer the decider question right, you win. So the first to win five matching artifacts or four matching plus three unmatched because you can turn in some unmatched to get matched 
um, you could unlock the decider question to win. I, and there's variations too. Like you can play like the all for one where people work together to earn 10 matched artifacts and the fewest questions or, you know, you're trying to um, just try to duke out and see who earns the most artifacts and to, till the, the artifact deck is done or, um, you know, just lots of different ways that you could do it. I, I know it sounds a little dry. It's so pretty though. Um, there's also like a, there's some expansion packs you can get with it, like a slang edition, which I think would be cool. Is there an edition that gives me the F word? There's a global edition um, that's about the world of language from ancient to modern, Aramaic to Zulu. I It just speaks to every all of my lovely inner nerdiness. So if you're a logophile like me, if you... Like, you know, oh, I think it'd be interesting to learn about words that, you know, how they, where they came from or whatever. I don't know. You like trivia games. You're looking for a gift for someone who is an English person like me. Check out League of the Lexicon. There are 12 days left in this Kickstarter. And um, the base pledge for the game is 34 bucks. All right. Two simple thoughts. That's all I have. One, it does look great. I was looking at the pictures when you were talking about it's, it. The box is cool. Yes. It looks really good. Yes. Second thought, 1,115 people have backed this game, mm-hmm. and that makes me a little bit sad inside. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Why? <laughs> no, it's, it's it's totally not a game for me. Not at all. But if people like you, who like words for some reason, would definitely like this game, and it would have appeal there. Just not for me. Not a game that I would want to play. It was funded in five hours. I see that. Yeah, that makes me even sadder inside. So I really want you to get me this. It says it's guaranteed for Christmas. <laughs> except the expansion ships next year. How much is this? $30, $33. The expansions are fourteen fifty each. I want the slang edition. Oh, and the global. Only if, only if it has the F word I in it. I want both of them. I don't think it does. Why? <sighs> all right i'm gonna heart it because i need to look into this. i'm gonna heart if it gonna, i will not back it at all for you but if, I'll heart if you're gonna it make so me you play it i need me. i need to look at it no there's a solo i could just play it by myself but you won't because so i need to look at it i'll play it with my other english nerds how many of those do you have around oh i here? i can get, i can get lots <laughs> you don't even know it's from the uk yes it is that makes sense. They like words in UK. Oh my gosh, they like words here too. That's uh, that's all I have for news. I'm done. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> that's a way to end the news. Good job. So next we have games played, and we've played some games with a couple different groups, and we'll talk about those games now. <laughs> what an in- what an what an intro. Great intro. Uh, um, so the first game we're going to talk about is a game we've covered on the channel. We've talked about before, but we played it with, um, Jeremy's cousin and her husband. No, and I think your sister-in-law. What are you talking about? Jeremy's husband, cousin, cousin, oh, Katie's, Katie's cousin. Sorry. I was thinking and my brain was thinking faster than my mouth. Katie's cousin and her husband and Katie's sister-in-law mm-hmm. and Katie's cousin's daughter all played this with us. And the game is called Growl. And this is a little card game where there's two teams. There's either there's a, a werewolf team and there's a human team. At the beginning of the game, a certain number of people, depending on the number of players, will be werewolves, and the rest of the people will be humans. When it's your turn, you're going to take a card at the top of the deck, and you're going to give it to somebody. If you ever get three bites without charms, you become a werewolf. If you get three wounds without salves, you die. What you're trying to do is the werewolves are trying to infect the humans, and the humans are trying to stay humans because if at least one human is alive at the end of a round, the humans win, and they will get all the gold that's on the cards in their hand and win the game. That's the whole point of the game. You don't know who's on what team. Uh, you're trying to bluff people out. You're trying to figure out who the werewolves are. So if they're sitting next to you, you can pretty much you're in trouble. Um, but yeah, it's just a simple card game. Fun theme. gets a little crazy. And I like it. So how do you feel about Growl this time? 
I like Growl. I felt like it went pretty quick this time. Well, we only played one round this time. Oh, okay. I like it with more people. Because I think we only had, what, six? Yeah, I mean, well, nothing's going to compare to that 10-player game we had. <laughs> right. Where, like, your Uncle Bill is like, oh, I'm a werewolf, but I decided I'm a renegade werewolf. He, like, created this whole backstory <laughs> where he was, like, this really despicable, like, chaotic werewolf that didn't care who he killed, whether it was other <laughs> werewolves or maybe himself. And it, it discriminates just <laughs> handing out wounds and bites, and it was chaos. Yeah, it was a good time. I honestly had no idea what side he was on. Um, this time, and this is my problem, I can almost always get my side to win. I, I'm pretty good at getting on the winning team. However, every time I'm on the winning team, I have like no gold or maybe one, which is so annoying. I'm like, what? How did I put no I gold a pile again? of gold. Yeah, I don't even know how. Thankfully, Jason had a night card that he was allowed to look at someone's hand or have someone show him a card to let him know if they were a werewolf or a human. And he chose me. So right out the bat, I could show him that I was not a werewolf, which he was like already like jumping on that bandwagon within like <laughs> one card that we played. He got to start it. Like the thing about these games is if someone doesn't get it started, no one does it. So you just sit there, and the ga- these games are not fun if you're just playing the cards. Because the right. part of the game that makes these interesting is lying and messing with other people. That's the fun part. So, yeah. You, yeah if which, it doesn't get started, yeah. But I tried to start the game, but I didn't jump all over you. and be like, oh, werewolf, right off the bat. You should have. It's fun. No, I called out the real werewolves. Or you were too busy trying to blame me, and then I had to convince you that I wasn't. It takes me a long time to figure out who's a werewolf and who isn't. You know that. Oh, my gosh. Unless I'm a werewolf, then I know who the werewolf is. <laughs> yeah. So, again, fun game. Um, I just, my the humans won. I was a human, and we won, but I uh, did not have any gold. I had one. No, I had one, which did not let me win. Well, you get one one for winning and then you get one for every gold in your hand so yep. you're guaranteed one at least every time yeah one's one's not gonna help you win that's true that's why we play over multiple rounds to make up for it usually i guess that's true but yep uh it was still fun uh I, it is i think good to have a lot of people but yeah definitely one that i'm not going to play with less than eight again because yeah you need the chaos it's so much fun with all those people yeah yeah all right so while we had six we also played a game that I didn't actually think was too terrible at six, and that is Lords of Waterdeep. Now, it doesn't normally play six, but when you have the expansion, it bumps it up to six players, and that's what we play with everything because that's what I do. And um, Katie's cousin's husband, uh, he had this on a list of games that he wanted to play, so we took a bunch of games over and we played a couple of them. And if you don't know what Lords of Waterdeep is, work replacement game set in... The Dungeons and Dragons town of Waterdeep. Is that right? Yeah. It's just mentioned. And, and there's cubes that represent like fighters and rogues and clerics and all that kind of thing. But really, what you're doing in this game is you are sending your worker out, which are known as agents. You send them out to somewhere on the town. And you're going to either collect cubes, get quests, uh, play some other kind of cards, do some other kind of actions. But the goal of the game is to collect cubes, turn them in to fulfill your quest because they'll give you a pile of points. Some other kind of benefits, maybe. They may help you with your in-game goal and all that kind of thing. And then you're just trying to have the most points after eight rounds. There's buildings you can buy. There's a whole lot of stuff to go. It's not, like, complicated. None of the actions are complicated, but go to a place, collect the stuff. And if you're playing with the expansions, there's more spaces to go to. And there's also this cool corruption mechanism where one of the three of the spaces are really good. But every time you go there, they're going to give you some corruption. The more corruption that you have, the more negative points each one of those pieces of corruption is going to be at the end of the game. So you're trying to balance all that out and make sure you don't lose a bunch of points at the end of the game. Fun game. Um, I actually didn't hate it at six, which I was surprised by because it felt like just like a two-player game with the amount of workers that were out there. Uh, but yeah, so I like this. What do you think about Lords of Waterdeep with the expansions? Um, I like this game. I've always liked this game. The expansions are fine. It was fine at six. It took too long. Um I think at six, but not as long as I think you would expect. So, oh yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was long, but it wasn't like I was thinking like two or three hours. It didn't take nearly that long. No, no. Um, 
I think it. I think the problem with six players is things get a little chaotic because it's harder to track what people are doing. Um, also, like I could not. The board is huge, and then when you play with the Scoundrel Skullport expansion, there's two extra boards, and so like those two boards were at the complete other end of the table for me, and I couldn't see really. I had no idea what they did, so I hardly used them, which is what, how I avoided corruption a lot because I just was like, well, I'm not going there. Um, it. It was good, as it always is. I just think um, logistically, it is difficult with that many players. With the well, expansion. yeah, and Grandma's table is really long too, so that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I came from behind. I like snuck in a victory, which felt pretty good. So, I mean, I can't be upset by that, but it 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 was fine. Yeah, it's definitely one that I don't want to play at six all the time, but. I definitely like it at two or three because you get a whole lot of workers and you get to take more actions, but it, it's fine. And I love the corruption. Any game that lets me do that kind of thing is it's one that I like, so that's cool. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is a game we played on our game night with our friend Chris and his wife Amy, and it is called Town Builder Coverden. That's how I've been saying it. I'm not sure if that's right, um, but we're going to call it Coverden. And this is a card game where you are, all the cards are multi-use. They're going to be either buildings or they're going to be used as some kind of resource. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to build these different colored buildings to score points. All the buildings have a point value. Some of them have special abilities. There are some in-game goals that you're trying to accomplish. Like there's going to be some judges that want you to have the most of a certain color of building. There's some other awards that if you can do like, I don't know, three buildings that cost three different um, amounts of resources you can score this building and you're just going to take two actions on your turn trying to build as most as many buildings as you can to score the most points that's it it's a really simple game but i had a good time with it so how do you feel about this one what what did you say it was called you called it again coverden i would say covorden because isn't it like isn't it german I, or I something know. i have no idea i can barely speak english so i don't know um, i like this game I thought it was fun. Um, I like the idea of, um, you know, multi-use cards. Again, it reminded me a little bit of Puerto Rico. Is that right? San Juan. San Juan. Just kidding. Well, Puerto Rico does it too, but San Juan's the card version. San Juan. Yeah, it reminded me of San Juan a little bit. So in like what, like uh, I'm in that you've got cards and like you choose, you're building buildings through, with the cards and making those choices. Um and just trying to think about like end of game scoring, um, points from buildings, what's going to come out, you know, what you're using, uh, what you want to keep for yourself, what you want to keep other people from getting, what you want to use as like um, resources versus actually, you know, building them themselves. I, I like that. Um, spoiler alert. I was looking in saw that this would be available at Gen Con and I think it might be a game worth getting because I think it is another one of those really simple, easy games that would be easy to introduce to people. Um, kind of an in-between filler, but yet there's enough like good decisions in it that it makes it a worthwhile time. So I, I actually really enjoyed this. And if you guys want to see how it plays, there will be a video dropping at some point. So if you care, there you go. All right, so those are the three games that we played. Let's move on. All right, so we have been going through our shelves, and we completed uh, one shelf inside our game room, but we thought we'd take a break, and since we'll be on vacation next week, and give you a little Gen Con preview for this year. Um, Jason and I are going to try to get over to Gen Con for at least one day, probably early on in Gen Con. Um, but we wanted to kind of give you maybe a little preview of stuff that looked really exciting to us. It was going to be at Gen Con. Um, now, this is based on what is out there on BGG and like the Gen Con preview thingy list or whatever they do. Um, even since I looked at it just earlier today, um, there was some other stuff. And I was like, oh, crap. And there's a ton of stuff that I have mentioned on Kickstarter, um, stuff that we talked about for um, Origins even. So 
I kind of tried not to talk about those and we tried to get some different things that we haven't discussed yet so that we can get, I don't know, excitement for more games out there. So we each picked four, right? Yes, okay. that's right. Four games that we are pumped to see at Gen Con. So Jason is going to start us off. All right, so the first game that actually I don't think was on my list when I first looked at it, or I would have probably captured it, but I looked at it again today when we were recording, and it was on there. And it's about racing horses and betting on horses, so I needed to discuss it. And that game is called Ready, Set, Bet. It's from AEG and designed by John DeClaire. He's like all the rage right now. Space Base, um, that Dead Reckoning, tons of games that he's done. And in this game, this this cool horse game, what you're doing is you are betting on horses. Imagine that. But the interesting thing about this one is you can bet while the horses are racing. So you're, it's kind of similar to like Camel Up where you're betting as the, the camel's rolling around. But in this one, it has a cool like actual betting board. has these really cool little horse meeples that are on their own little board where they're racing so there's a a separate board for betting and there's a separate board where the the racing's happening and you're just trying to earn the most money vip club cards at the end of the race so a horse game it seems like it's going to be different than some of the other ones not a ton of information i don't know if there's a video i haven't looked no videos oh yeah there is a how to play so i'll watch that eight days ago um but yeah i don't need to know much about it other than it's horses i'm betting on them and I like that. So, yeah, ready, set, bet. That's my number one. Yeah, I saw this one. I was like, Jason, there's a racing game. Like, and it's like kind of a push or luck because you're trying to bet and there's dice rolling that decides the outcome. So you never really know who's going to pull ahead. With all the racing games, I'm like, we probably need this one. So hopefully it'll be for sale because I'm sure Jason will pick it up. It says it comes out in August. So um, if it's early ho- August, I'm hoping, <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that means Gen Con release. That's what I'm hoping. All right, my first game, I would, I, of course, you know me. I was drawn in by the artwork, and then I'm like, what? A deduction game? Hello. And the designer is uh, someone that I might turn into like a crazy fanboy of. So the game is called Museum Suspects, and it is designed by Phil, Philip Walker Harding. And this is from Blue Orange. So this is an investigation game. There's clues. It takes place in, of all places, a museum. What? No way. I know. So you uh, um, are working with the other players who are other investigators. You're trying to find the thief or maybe thieves um, from 16 suspects that are held inside the museum. And so there's clues that you can find. You're going through and looking into different rooms to try and find clues. You also kind of want to... um, be a little obscure about how you go about getting your clues so that your opponents don't really know what you're up to, how you're guessing, what you're doing. Um, and then you're trying to use seduction to figure out who it is. Um, the artwork is cool. The investigators are all these like anthropomorphic animals that have like fun names. Like Marco is like a squid that wears headphones. Um, like they're just... They're just really, really cute. Um, it's got even like these cool little like leather, I'm assuming fake leather, looking little cases to keep your deduction notes in, uh, which I think is cool. So there's lots of just little fun stuff, but you're solving this museum caper. And I love a good deduction game. And maybe this isn't good. It, it might be a little bit light, which kind of seems to be Philip Walker Harding style. Um, but I like that. Uh, I like a lighter game now and then. And I really like deduction games. And it says it's ages eight plus. So I to play this with my daughter, I think would be really cool. And Blue Orange kind of seems to do more games like this. The only like link that's out there is in Dutch. So... Um, that is all I know about it, but I'm always pumped for a new deduction game. So I'm looking forward to Museum Suspects. I don't know if it's on sale. It didn't say the release date, but it did say it was like the MSRP was $20. So I'm really hoping. I'm like, dude, for $20? Yeah, I'm going to snatch that up. I mean, we can scope it out. Let's look for Blue Orange Booth. We'll scope it out. Yeah, speaking of Blue Orange. 
Yeah. Yeah. Th- this was well, well thought out. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but sure. Mm-hmm. It's good. Uh, so the next one now, hold on to your seats here because my next one is a party game. I mean, sometimes you just got to have a party game, but this is not just a party game. This is a party game about a bag of chips and it's called bag of chips. <laughs> it's from blue orange. What? Um, one of the designers is, I'm not going to try to pronounce any of the names cause I'm terrible, but one of the designers designed Draftosaurus, which we really like and was a co-designer with Bruno Catala on Nagaraja, which is a game that's really good. So those two games alone, his name being on this makes me interested, but what you're doing in this game is you are the players over the course of the game are going to pull out a certain number of chips from the bag. The chips are going to have different icons, um, different colors and shapes and stuff. And each of the players are going to have objective cards. At the end of the game, basically, after all the chips have been pulled, the players are going to have two cards that they're going to score on their positive pile and one card that they're going to score on negative points pile. And the cards, are, the objective cards are going to be like, there's going to be more of the red chips than orange chips and that kind of thing. So... As the chips are coming out of the bag, you're getting rid of objective cards in your hand that you don't want to score, trying to whittle your hand down so you can get the most points possible with the chips that are being pulled from the bag. Simple game, not like a lot of depth and strategy, but the concept is hilarious to me, and I really want to play it. So, bag of chips, blue-orange, I'll be hunting it down. And best part of all is $13. Now, that's a, a price point I can get behind. $13 bag of chips. Going to have it. I mean, I'm not going to pay $13 for a real bag of chips, but for a game, (laughs) sure. I don't know. You might. Jason wouldn't pay $13 for a game, but he might pay $13 for a bag of chips. (laughs) Maybe. You might be right. (laughs) These games, these names aren't that bad for designers. You have some later that are really hard. I Mathieu, Aubrey, Aubrey, and Thea Riviere. Oh, yeah. The portal ones? There's no way I'm saying those. (laughs) Um... Yeah, these are French names, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, still, if it's not like John Smith or like Jason Smith, I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> Phil Walker Harding, I could say that one. <laughs> well, I guess you picked the wrong one, didn't you? <laughs> so next, the next game, I partially picked because I've always felt attached to this particular royal because we share a name, although it's spelled completely different. So this game is Catherine, the Cities of the Tsarina. And this is from Capstone Games. And I believe, and I don't want to be as bad as Jason, but um, the designer is Johannes Schmidauer Koenig. (laughs) It's like you want me to try it? (laughs) No, I don't. I I really, really, really don't. Um, So this game looks really interesting because there's a lot of stuff kind of going on here. So in this game, you're working... You know, for Catherine the Great, you want to become her new a new advisor to her. So in order to do that, you really need to prove um, that you like you have to win her favor by doing different things for the empire. And you're doing it through card play. So at the beginning, you're choosing like three project cards that go into your action row, and then there's um, like drafting. It was there's simultaneous play happening during each round which i think is really interesting and you're drawing cards and one's going to go in your action row and another one's going to go in your activation row so you're trying to match project cards that you picked at the beginning with these um like activation cards so if the same color you can carry out the action and sometimes you're putting a residence on the map you're getting more cards you can exchange cards um to get points or like favors um you can also get favors and points by having cannons or books there's some set collection kind of things there um cards have bonuses that when you actually like carry them out you get the bonus um just really i mean it seems kind of complex lots of stuff going on with these cards lots of planning trying to match this up there's like these interim scoring rounds that are happening it's very intriguing to me of course, Man vs. Meeple has a video on it because they probably got it like two years ago. <sighs> I can't even get on that soapbox right now. I can't. I can't get on the soapbox now. But um, their title is Thinkier Than You Think. <laughs> um, I bet Boring came up with that. But 
I think by the description, like Jason's like, oh, I thought I just, I forget what you said you thought it was. It, fe- it feels like a, a, a war game-ish to me when I just looked at it. But, but it, yeah. it does not, it appears to be super not. And just a lot of interesting card play. Um, and I just, I, I really kind of like Casting the Great. I see tracks. I'm pretty sure there's nobles here. Uh, I think this could be, you know, right up your alley. No, it looks good. I'm not disputing it. I just thought it was something else. So I believe this one is already out. Whether it's out in the States, I'm not sh- No, it's not out yet. You can pre-order it on Miniature Market, though. Nice. Yeah. Um, for cheaper than they say the MSRP is. So oh, Yeah, that's usually the case. They list MSRP for this one for 55 bucks. I believe it will be available there if I'm not mistaken. I think this is one that said it came it was going to be released like July 27th so just before uh, Gen Con so yeah Catherine the cities of the Tsarina looks very interesting yep I agree with you alright so my next one is already out Uh, I know they're like some of our friends have played it but I don't know a ton about it so I put it on my list and the game is Gutenberg it's in America from Portal Games, I believe. And it has two names that I'm not even going to try to attempt. Two designers. I apologize for not saying your name. I'm sure you did great work. You have cool names. I'm just not going to say it. Um, <laughs> not even this- attempt. <laughs> Katarzynia Kioch Wadziak Wisniewski. Yeah, Wisniewski is the only word of all those that I can say. So, yeah. So, yeah, whatever Katie said, those are the designers. Um, this is a game about developing the printing press. Uh, I, that's all I really know about it. I haven't watched any videos just cause I've trying to just go into this one, just play it and see how, if it's cool. But the cool thing about this game is you have your own player board and you're getting these different gears that you're going to put in your player board to spin, to give you bonus actions and kind of develop your own system. You're trying to get different like language and all that kind of thing too. It looks super Euro-y. It's got a lot of tan. And, you know, I'm down for that. So <laughs> Gutenberg is one that I definitely want to check out. It's currently for sale. It's 70 bucks. A little too much for my blood, so I probably won't get it. But it'll be nice to check it out, maybe demo it or something. So, yeah, that's my third one, Gutenberg. Yeah, this definitely has a theme that I like a lot, as we mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, so I think it looks really good. Then what I want to talk about, I looked this up, like... There are no videos. There are no links. Um, There's nothing but just a couple, a picture of the cover and a couple paragraphs of explanation. And this one's called Tabriz. 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 Um, It's designed by Randy Flynn. It's coming from Crafty Games. And this is a game about weaving and selling luxurious carpets. And it's the city is Tabriz or Tabriz. So it's Persian market. So you're trying to fulfill these commissions um, and you're, you can fill commissions for commoners. And then hopefully as you fulfill those merchants and royals will take notice, getting you more points because you're trying to earn the most prestige. So getting those commissions for those um, like more of the nobility is going to actually help move up your prestige. So you've got these assistants that move through the grand bazaar. So, and each assistant only has like a certain range it can move. So you're really trying to plan out um, where you're going to move your assistants to get the things that you need um, to get like wool or camel hair, or silk, or the different dyes to color your um, rugs to whatever color they need to be. Um, and sometimes, you know, other people can go there and, and take the material that you need. And so then you're like, crap, I have like a waste to turn. Um, and so at the end of each turn, then if you have all the materials you need, you can complete a commission on your turn from your hand. So um, the resor- resources are limited and like market prices fluctuate. So you're just really trying to get the most that you can for as cheap as you can, like in real life, um, in order to fulfill commissions. You know, you're going to move up then in skill so that can help you get better commissions um, help your assistants be able to move further, um, maybe... You can do um, more than one commission on a turn because you have to have like a certain skill level in order to be able to do that. So it sounds like you can upgrade actions. Um, And then also there's an advanced workshop mode, which we would probably start out playing that. And each person has like um, individual player power 
that you can use at the start of the game and the end of every round, which I don't even know what those are, but they sound really great. They promise a robust solar mode with multiple AI opponents, so who knows what that's going to be, but it sounds really, really good. So I am super interested. It's going to be demo only, obviously, because there is nothing else about it um, <laughs> really out there. But it sounds awesome. So that is Tabriz. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, but I'll definitely check out the demo because it sounds cool. It does. All right. So my last one. Now, it's kind of silly, but it's got to be on my list for one reason. It's about being in a rock and roll band playing some rock and roll music at some venues and getting fans. I love that theme. It's cool. And this game is called Troll Fest from Trick or Treat Studios. And it's by Bruno Faduti. Faduti. And Camille Matthew. I'm not sure if that's how you play it, but that's what it looks like or how you say it. Um, And normally I'm not big on Faduti games. We have a few. Uh, His games are usually too mean for me. But in this one, everybody's taking on the role of a troll band. And you're trying to, you're going to have an initial drafting phase of your band members and some other cards. And then after that, you're just going to be moving around the board, playing at different venues, upgrading your musicians to make them better, getting better fans. And you're just trying to be the most prestigious band at the end of the game. So you can go on tour with the Rolling Gnomes and Snow White (laughs) and the Dwarves. So amazing. You just, yeah, it seems like a simple game. It says it's for the, the whole family. So. If it's a lightweight game, that would be cool. Maybe we could play it with Rory or I don't know. But I love bands or games about music and bands. It's silly, but it's definitely one I want to check out and learn more about. There's a few videos. I haven't watched any of them because I just, I guess I didn't realize there were videos. But this is definitely one that I'm going to be looking into and may buy. I don't know. Does it say it's for sale? What did I say? I don't know. Um, it didn't say it's for sale, I don't think, but it has a price of $60, so maybe it'll be for sale. There You're not going to buy it for $60, I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not going to buy this game for $60, that's for true. That is for sure. But I definitely will look at it and admire <laughs> it because it is, a, it is a cool team. So, whenever for Troll Fest. I just think, why trolls? Like, of all the, th- I, d- I just find that an interesting theming choice. Well, they're not offensive. You can't get in trouble for diversity and all that stuff. Well, they I think could be like elves or vampires or, you know, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's. Chimpanzee I know, band. Just, I don't know. Maybe Faduti just likes trolls. I don't mm, know. Maybe. Um, my last one I want to talk about is a flip and write. And surprisingly, there are several of these that I really like. And, you know, trying to get into some, you know, different types of games that we want to check out uh this one looks good and it's called get on board new york and london so you're trying to create the best bus line in this flip and right game and it's actually a re-implementation of let's make a bus route so obviously this one sounds better get on board new york and london um so you've got this bus it first of all i think that the components look really cool. Um, so you've got 12 rounds and you're trying to build the best bus line. Um, so each round you get a new card that shows like the shape of the route that you have to complete. And you're trying to plan this out on this board. It's like a central board, which I think is interesting because it's not like individual type stuff. And you're, you know, trying, you've got passengers. So you're trying to take them where they want to go, but you've got this particular route that you have to follow based on what's flipped. You also have your own personal board, which I think is where like the passengers come in. You're trying to avoid traffic. You know, you want to get everybody to the stops that they, that they want to go to. This has really cute art. Um, it's from yellow. So it's not the OG yellow. Um, so it's not in the States yet. But they're really neat little components. The bus tickets look awesome. Um, the artwork has, I don't i don't know what you call this kind of artwork. It has a, a, a look to it that I've seen elsewhere. Yeah, all this designer, all of his games look like that. So I don't know what the art is, but Sashi does a bunch of games that look like that. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this was Sashi. Um, but you're, you're like putting out little like tokens to map out your bus route. Um, and then as you're doing that, you're also using then your own player board to cross some things off. Uh, just, I think it looks really cool. I think that concept is neat. Uh, the components are great. The 
artwork is great. I like little fun flipping rights. I think this theme is cool. And I like, you know, New York and London. So the idea of being like, hey, I'm going to be like a tour guide through New York and London. I just like that. Just like a little. And sometimes you need a little flipping right. Like we really are working on trying to kind of balance out our board game collection between the heavy euros that we really like and um, stuff that we can take to the various groups that we play with to help people kind of get into the hobby. And I think this looks like one that would be that. So again, it's from Yellow, uh, Sashi. I think it might be on sale there. Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that that's how they're getting it to America. But it's 30 bucks. Yeah, I watched uh, the Dice Tower do a review of Let's Make a Bus Route, and it looked cool. So I think I don't think that one ever came to America, though. So it would be nice that this one is actually coming to America, which is cool. Yeah, so those are the things that we're looking forward to at Gen Con. Are there more? Absolutely. I had some, I went through, I like wrote down everyone that I was interested in. I narrowed it down. I still had nine and we're trying to get to four. I mean, there's so many things that look really good. Um, and stuff that, again, has been out for a long time, like Dompierre, um, The Spill, you know, all, um, Palaces Aquara, stuff I've covered on Kickstarter, like to see it kind of in a fulfilled type stage, stage I'm really excited about. Um, it looks awesome. So what about you guys? What are you looking forward to at Gen Con? Are you going to be there? Um, if so, we'll be there on Thursday. Look us up. Like we'd love to meet and talk. Um, but also if there's something you think we should check out, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, uh, the YouTubes, the Discord chat. However, um, just so we can kind of know what to look for. I think Gen Con um, might be ramping back up this year as far as attendance goes. We will have to see. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff that's going to be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to go check it out. At least, if nothing else, to demo some games, so... Yeah, I, I like that. Okay. Well, I, I honestly have nothing else. Yeah, I'm good. We already established that I have nothing to say. I know. I feel like I filled my 40 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. Thanks. <laughs> well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I'm going to let my track run for another 40 minutes so I can keep up with Katie. Mm, good luck. Ah!